0: Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Monster Monday presented by DraftKings, America's number one rated sports book app. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. You know that, at Ross Tucker NFL. All over social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Also, at Ross Tucker Pod, Twitter, Instagram. Intern Casey, a living legend. If you're not following at Ross Tucker Pod, On Twitter or Instagram, you are doing it wrong. Her clips on social media are fantastic. If you retweet them or comment on them or like them or mine, boom, you're automatically entered into the spread the word contest, which is awesome. Beyond fired up for today's guest. This is a guy I have admired his work for a long time. You know, when you read certain writers, And Bill Barnwell from ESPN is one of them. And I'll get to Bill momentarily. But I'm going to talk good about him for a little bit before we do. at Bill Barnwell on Twitter, you read certain guys, and gals for that matter, you can just tell how much time they put in. I mean, you can tell. He just did skill position rankings, non-quarterback, for all 32 teams, it took me like 30 minutes to read the article. I mean, I'm not like the fastest reader in the world, but it was, he talked about every skill guy for every team. It was unbelievable. Very much looking forward to talking with Bill momentarily. I do need to mention a couple things. Shout out, patron shout out of the day. Ben Massey, patreon.com slash RT Media. Great work. And by the way, we don't have one. We have two special offers this week. You get the DraftKings Sportsbook app on your phone and put the code in Ross. Even if you don't deposit anything in one of those states where you can't deposit yet, send me that screenshot, you might win my NFLPA ID card, which is a sweet collector's item. And then how about YouTube? YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. We've been telling you guys about it. I'm going to do a cameo style shout out for a new subscriber this week or any subscriber for that matter. So YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. I'll pick a winner. You email me and say, Ross, give a shout out to my wife. Tell her she's a great. I'll be like, hey, Stephanie, you're the greatest wife ever. John told me to say that. Now listen, to- whatever you want me to say, I'll say. It. I'm like a clown. Like just tell me whatever you want to say. I'll say it. It's that easy. But just the same thing people pay for at Cameo. If you want me to give you shout outs on Cameo, I'm doing it for free for you as long as you subscribe to YouTube. All right, enough of all that. So fired up for Bill Barnwell. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. All right, I mentioned earlier, this guy puts in the time. <laughs> we used to, when I, when I did, so Bill, I used to do uh, the ESPN podcast for three years. And actually, a lot of the listeners started listening to me there. They remember me from the Football Today podcast. So I know what it's like to be there. Bill does the Bill Barnwell show now. I used to talk about the disease or the sickness that you just love football. You can't get enough of it. Bill, when I read your stuff, you have the disease, bro. Like, I don't know when you got it, but like nobody does deep dives like that unless you really, really love it. It's a lot of free
1: time out there now with the pandemic over the past few months. A lot of grinding, but it's been fun. You know, I think this is a really sort of, interesting opportunity, right? You know, obviously with football, typically, you know, you're working week to week, you're working through the transactions, you're working through all this stuff that sort of fits the natural football schedule. And now that there's been a little more free time, and a little more time to kind of stay at home and kind of see what's going on, you know, I can look at stuff more. I can go in and I did, for example, um, five sort of progress reports on the uh, 2008 quarterbacks, So Lamar, Josh Allen, all those guys, because, typically I wouldn't have time to do that but because I have time now. I went back and watched six of those guys games each and got to learn a lot about those guys that I wouldn't have. So, um, you know, I feel like this is such a, a difficult game to understand and a difficult game to, you know, really get a sense of what's happening, even in, in the moment, let alone, you know, during a play, after the play, weeks later, months later. So I think just kind of being able to do that, having the tools to do that now is really cool. Like if this is my job, this is what I get to do for a living. So many people would kill for this job. Like, I better do it right because otherwise I'm not an ex-player. I'm not an ex-coach. I don't know anything. So I got to put the time in the grind because
0: there's no alternative. That's exactly how I look at it, Bill, because I wasn't a pro bowler or a household name or a future Hall of Famer or whatever, and I like this job, man. I like just talking about football with people like you. Um, You know, I had to look you up, Bill. (laughs) I have known you. I've read your stuff at Grantland and ESPN. I didn't really know your background. So I guess the question is, like, how did you become, you know, one of the best NFL writers out there? I saw you went to Northeastern. Somehow you got connected with Simmons. Like, how how did that happen that you became – NFL when you went to Northeastern, they didn't even have a football team. They shut down the football team
1: after I was there. Not a good sign if you go to a school and they shut down the program after you get there. Um, it was really not my my plan, my passion. It was just a thing where, you know, I was really a big nerd. So I was into the money ball stuff with baseball and reading, you know, baseball prospectus and, and those sites back in the day when I was in college. And then, you know, uh, uh, I hooked up with Aaron Schatz, Football Outsiders, and they do a ton of research into the game. You know, really one of the first people out there who were looking at numbers, kind of just trying to understand the game. And that really, you know, went a number of different ways. It went with numbers. It went with, you know, actually sitting there and charting plays and trying to figure out what the coverages were or, you know, which offensive lineman was responsible for, you know, a protection on a player who screwed something up or all that stuff that wasn't really tracked you know, now with PFF and stuff like that, people are tracking it, but really was not the case in the past. So um, literally, I remember the first article I ever did was for Fox Sports. It was for $10. I wrote like 5,000 words, spent like three days working on it. But, you know, it was always a thing where I was just like, you know, uh, I had jobs after college, they were fine, nothing against them. But I always kind of thought, hey, it would be so cool to do this as a living. And you know, I spent a lot of nights, a lot of weekends. with so my friends are run out to the bars. I, you know, maybe I'd go out for a drink and I'd come home a little early and sit there and watch a game or, or go over some tape or you know, do some research in Excel or try to get some knowledge about the game I didn't have previously. And then three, four years passed and I was, I was pretty happy with what I was doing. And then I um, did hook up with, with uh, Bill Simmons at Grantland and got that opportunity. And then they were really nice. Like it was just it was fortuitous timing. You know, they had a. A lot of people on staff they didn't really have anyone who was more of a football writer i think than i was at the time so i kind of got to be the, the lead writer for this you know prominent site of this growing site on football which i wouldn't have had the opportunity had it been 20 years ago and i'd been working for a paper you know would have been a totally different path or even you know a different website so i got pretty lucky and worked hard and um you know i just
0: try to keep learning more about the game it's awesome it's absolutely <laughs> awesome big fan of your work i love your uh, breakdowns on trades contracts uh your your skill position thing was really interesting let's dive into that sure i thought it was you know you you ranked now this is important non-quarterback we all know quarterbacks the most important of course but non-quarterback skill rankings so the guys other than the quarterback for each team and it's just about this year it's not Mm -hmm. you know over the next five years not taking into account contract which you usually do which i appreciate because That is how you should look at it because that's how the teams have to look at it. Of course. Uh, But here's what I thought was most interesting, Bill. And I don't know that everyone would intuitively think this, but you made it very clear that you were most heavily weighting the wide receivers significantly because that's what the NFL does. Tell me why. You look at the money.
1: That's the simplest explanation of what the NFL values when it comes to players. Quarterbacks are number one. We all know quarterback's are the most important position. Number two, depending on how you look at it, usually edge rusher uh, is number two. And that makes sense because edge rushers get paid a ton of money, can really impact games. You know, your, your Khalil max size contracts. Those are the highest paid guys outside of tackles. Number three depends, but it could be, uh, could be tackles, could be... Cornerbacks, but typically now we're getting to the point where it's wide receivers. Julio Jones, I think, north of twenty million dollars a year. You know, we see the league really value uh, top end wide receivers as being worth more than fifteen million dollars a year these days. And there's really no other position, maybe besides pass rusher in football, that gets that kind of you know sort of a sort of average salary for those top ten guys. So, um, to me, when I'm evaluating you know, the league, I'm looking at running backs and tight ends and receivers, which are what I'm looking at here in this analysis. I have to treat what wider series is more valuable because the league does. So, you know, it's not like it's twice as much. It's not like it's like a dramatic difference. But if there's a tie, you know, if it's, you know, the top tight end, say Travis Kelsey is the top receiving tight end in football. I don't want to, you know, anger Niners fans are going to say George Cato. I'm just picking a name. Let's say Travis Kelsey is the top receiving tight end in football. I mean, Travis Kelsey's contract, when he gets it, is not going to be close to what Julio Jones makes. It's not because Travis Kelsey isn't a good player or because he doesn't deserve a ton of money. It's just because those wide receivers are so hard to find. Those absolute top-tier, game-changing wide receivers are so difficult to find and and so valuable and get the ball so frequently in the modern NFL that those guys have to be treated at a different level. So I was looking for top-tier wide receivers. I was looking for great tight ends. After that, maybe a step backwards from tight ends. Then I was looking at the running back just because – We've seen typically running back contracts don't seem to work out in the NFL. So of course, great running back is still gonna be valuable. A Christian McCaffrey, a Saquon Barkley, those help the Panthers and the Giants up the list. But I was looking for receivers first and foremost, and then tight ends, and then running backs.
0: I'll tell you what jumped out to me too, is you got Redskins number 32 and Jags number 31. And you said there's a significant gap after that. And so here's what's crazy. I mean, they both have second-year quarterbacks Mm -hmm. who are bottom 10 in the NFL. Maybe Minshew will have a good year or Dwayne Haskins or whatever. But, I mean, if you did it with quarterbacks, that would make it even worse, I feel like, for those two teams. And really, my takeaway was neither one of those guys are really being put in a position to succeed, talking about Haskins and Minshew. 100%.
1: And you know what? Not too far from them on that list are the New York Jets, a, a team that I think have put Sam Darnold in the same boat over these past three years. And I think they're a little better this year than they were in years past. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell, you'd hope, is going to improve. Um, you know, you hope the receivers are going to get better. They obviously made some changes at wide receiver, get Chris Herndon back. Hopefully he's an impact player after missing really all of 2019. But that's a guy with Sam Darnold where – what happens if Sam Darnold goes into the Ravens' offense and they spend the last two years building their entire offense around him as opposed to Lamar Jackson? What if he goes to the Browns and he has, you know, uh, uh, the top right tackle in free agency in Jack Conklin, a, a top 10 picket left tackle in Jedrick Wills? Uh, he has, you know, Austin Hooper, Odell Beck, and Travis Landry. Is Sam Darnold a superstar quarterback? He might be. So, you know, I think when it comes to Darnold or it comes to uh, the guys you mentioned, um, with Haskins in Washington and Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville, it's tough. You know, it really is unfair because they don't have a ton around them. And we're so quick now, not only with, with the media, not only with fans, but also the NFL as a whole, we're so quick to evaluate these guys and say, oh, this guy can't play, this guy's a bust, this guy's you know, a fraud. We're so quick with that, that they may never get that chance to prove what they can do with a viable offensive infrastructure around them. So uh, I feel for those guys. Obviously, you know, it's great to be a quarterback. It's great to have that opportunity. But you have to have the guys around you to succeed. And I think, especially with Washington and Jacksonville, they're not putting the receiving talent, certainly, around those guys to prove what they can do.
0: One of the other ones that jumped out to me, you had the Broncos going from 31 last year to 14 this year, which I thought was really interesting because I, I guess a lot of that's Drew Locke. Or no, it's not Drew Locke. It has nothing new to do with Drew Locke mm-hmm. because it's non-quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're putting a lot of faith in young players, Bill, which is interesting considering there's been no offseason program. I mean, to go from 31 to fourteen. It didn't seem like reading it that it was that much about Melvin Gordon. It seemed like it was more about guys like Jerry Judy and KJ Hamlin. Ross, it's a great point. You're absolutely correct. And
1: I think we're going to see younger players, especially rookies coming into the league struggle. Now, Jerry Judy, pretty good program. He played out in college. I think he's going to be ready in terms of his preparation for the NFL level, but it's an adjustment. Any receiver will tell you heading into the NFL, no matter how good you are, no matter how good you were in college, it's a different level. But to me, I look at that offense and I watched all of Drew Locke's games last year. I went back and watched all five of his starts. Now, not going to lie, I you know, you know you kind of go into something thinking, okay, this guy is getting a little bit of hype, but he's not really that good. You know, he's not anything that exciting. I went and watched Drew Locke's games. I was kind of impressed. He really sort of, you know, he was athletic. He's getting the ball out. You know, he's putting the ball in smart places. When he's, you know, getting out of the pocket, he's readjusting. He's resetting himself and making accurate throws. Some questionable decisions, which he's a rookie that happens, but... I kind of liked him more than I was expecting to based on what I had seen from him when I was actually watching those games in real time during the regular season. So, so you look at the roster they have, I mean, it's not only Melvin Gordon, but I think he's going to be a better player this year than he was after holding out last season. But Philip Lindsay is an excellent second running back. The guy To me, is a starting caliber runner back uh, at the NFL level. Noah Fant was really impressive for stretches last year. And we know historically uh, tight ends, especially athletic tight ends, get that big leap from year one to year two. Obviously, the offseason, we don't know if that's going to change things, but typically, even the best tight ends, even your Gronks, you know, take a year to adjust to the NFL before really breaking out in that second season. And Noah a fan has that for me, and then I thought Cartland Sutton playing with pretty mediocre quarterbacks was really impressive last year. He was a a guy who I think with a different quarterback would have been a superstar. I think he is a star caliber receiver right now, and, and to me, you know, if you have him as a one. You have Noah Fant as a one. You have Melvin Gordon, who is an excellent receiving running back, we can say for sure, uh, as one of your receivers. And then you get something out of Judy, something out of Hamler. To me, they're, they're pretty deep. I think if you get, you know, 50 catches for 650, 700 yards out of Judy uh, as your fourth option, that's pretty good.
0: Yeah, you know, the other ones that jumped out to me, Bill, were the Buffalo Bills at eight. I was a little surprised by that. The Giants at seven. And the Cleveland Browns yeah. at number two. Yeah. I mean, look, when and, and when you broke it down, still I'm a little skeptical of the Bills at eight. Uh, Giants at seven, I kind of understand a little bit more. And the Browns at two, I, I'm not mad at you. I mean, <laughs> they got a couple tight ends. They've got a couple really good receivers, Kareem Hunt. But it just, I just wasn't expecting as I went through your list to see the Cleveland Browns at number two.
1: Yeah, let's go with the Browns first. I think the Browns and the Bills are two really interesting teams. So the Browns, we know, uh, obviously, last year was a mess. Watching them on tape, uh, Dan Oloski, who works at ESPN, said very similar things. You know, watching Baker Mayfield for that that sort of uh, progress report, that offense was a disaster last year. It was a mess. I mean, they just weren't, they weren't passing off twists throughout the season. They were running into each other downfield. When they were on screens, they, were, they weren't getting to the right places to set up their screens, so stuff was getting blown up in the backfield. I mean, they weren't running routes to the right distances. They were just a sloppy offense Week after week, and you know there would be plays where, hey, Nick Chubb is so talented that he's going to run for an 88 yard touchdown because he's just a freak of nature. They had some talent on that offensive line, and when they would be you know working together and get everything right, they would make big plays just because they had so much God given talent. But the coaching was an absolute mess last year, and the scheme was an absolute mess last year. So I think getting Kevin Stefanski in from Minnesota, getting that offense that he ran with Gary, you know the the Gary Kubiak influenced running game. It's going to do wonders for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I'm not including that in the rankings, but I think they're going to look better than they did a year ago because the offensive line has improved and because that offense is going to look a lot more uh, professional when it comes to their running game and when it comes to their efficiency. And then Odell Beckham last year played through a hip injury. uh, Sorry, played through an injury. Uh, Jarvis Landry, who's coming back from a hip hip injury, hip surgery, might be ready for week one. We're not sure. I kind of dinged them a little bit for that with Jarvis Landry, but I think two excellent wide receivers were healthy. And Austin Hooper. I mean, a guy who's a top 10 tight end is not gonna have that, you know, uh, that Travis kelsey size, you know, upside or George Kittle upside. But to me, just a professional, very solid tight end. And I did write this before the uh, David Njoku uh, trade request. I think he's still going to stay there in the long run. But I I think just a, you know, a a team that could have plus-to-plus-plus guys up and down the roster at every skill position spot. So the, the Browns are really interesting to me. And I think the Bills, you know, watching Josh Allen's tape, John Brown really impressed me. I, I know John Brown was good last year. He was a legit number one wideout. He would have had 250 or 300 more receiving yards and three or four more touchdowns if Josh Allen had been a more accurate quarterback last year. I mean, There was one deep post against the Giants where Josh Allen, or Josh, Josh Allen overthrows John Brown by eight yards. John, John Brown is five yards past the safety for a touchdown, and Josh Allen overthrows him by five more yards. That's how far this pass went, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to knock Josh Allen. Obviously, you know, he's working through some accuracy stuff, but I think that's an offense where John Brown would be one of the five best number two receivers in all of football. stefan Diggs is a guy who was third in yards per route run last year. A guy who, you know, when you throw him the football, he makes plays. Obviously, we know Stephon Diggs is a playmaker um, and has been for the pretty much the majority of his career. Um, this is an offense has Dawson Knox, a guy who had some drops last year, but really athletic tight end, a guy who really picked, you know, beat up the Patriots last year when they played in December, a guy who can be a real difference maker. I think is sort of still figuring out his potential. And then I like Devin Singletary. Um, I I, I like the Zach Moss they drafted. I think they're deep at running back. You know, I think Cole Beasley is a very, very effective slot receiver. Uh, To me, I just think, you know, they've added so much depth and so much talent around Josh Allen that I think, you know, uh, they have really – all kinds of options And and, on any given play. They could come out with two tight ends and two running backs with Tyler Croft coming into the game, and they can really overpower you, or they can spread you out and and go empty and and get Stephon Diggs and John Brown on the edge and scare you one-on-one. So I think there's not a lot of teams who can do that in the NFL, but the Bills are a team who can pull that off.
0: I also want to get to a couple contract situations with you, Bill, because you do a great job of breaking these down. And you said something, I think it might have been on Twitter, that I hadn't thought of that's really interesting as it relates to Dak Prescott. Mm -hmm. So I guess the question is, number one, Bill, in general, your thoughts on that situation, but in particular, I want you to verbalize what you tweeted about the 2021 franchise tag for Dak Prescott if the revenue and the cap goes down as much as it possibly could. This is a huge story, and not many people are talking about it right now. It may work out to be a total
1: non-story, but there is a chance this is absolutely important, maybe the most important thing about the 2021 NFL season. Let me get to that in a second, though. First with Dak, I don't know how you feel, Ross. I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked these two sides didn't get a deal done. Dak's only going to get more expensive. Quarterbacks don't get cheaper. Nobody goes down in price from year to year and, and we saw this with Kirk Cousins in Washington you know Washington if they look back obviously they would have preferred to just pay Kirk Cousins the first time they had the chance and not go through trading for Alex Smith and paying him and then suffering the Alex Smith injury and then drafting Dwayne Haskins they were in a much worse situation than they would have been if they had just paid Kirk Cousins when they had the chance to do so now when it comes to next year. Uh, the nfl and the nflpa are negotiating obviously with the coronavirus impacting local revenue Uh, revenue for the nfl is going to go down this year there's not going to be fans in the stadiums if there are limited fans in the stadiums that's going to bring down the money that can go to the players now the nfl and nflpa can negotiate to spread out that loss of revenue over the rest of the cba over the next 10 years and that might not be a big deal in the long run a couple million dollars here and there but we're not going to really notice it if that's the case but ross you know the nfl and the nflpa are not best of friends they don't necessarily get along all that well and they may not agree on what's going to be negotiated as part of this deal and if that's the case the salary cap could fall next year very dramatically and talking to nfl teams i've heard teams saying hey we're preparing for a 160 million dollar cap that's down from about 200 million dollars right now 198.2 is the cap right now it's so going down to 160 or below 160 That's absolutely terrifying. And for the Cowboys, why this all matters is that, you know, you can give your veterans a pay cut. You can move on from guys. You can stay out of free agency. The one thing the Cowboys can't do is they can't reduce Dak Prescott's salary. Because when you franchise tag a player, your options the following year, uh, franchise them for the first time with Dak, your options are, number one, to let him leave for nothing, which the Cowboys, I'm assuming, don't want to do. You can trade him you can extend him, but if that doesn't wanna get an extension from the Cowboys, the only option the Cowboys have is to franchise him a second time for $37.7 million. Now on a $200 million cap, a lot of money. I, I would happily take $37.7 million, but you can manage it and you've planned for it in advance with your salary cap. Now, if the cap is $160 million, that changes everything. Cause now $37.7 million on a $200 million cap is closer to you know fifty million dollars a year on a hundred sixty million dollar cap. So now if you want to pay Dak, you know, thirty-seven point seven million, yeah, I think you could justify that. And that's gonna be what top-level quarterbacks are making. Fifty million dollars a year? That's a dangerous game. I don't know if the Cowboys can afford that for their cap. So now, if that happens, the Cowboys are gonna to have to cut somebody who's pretty valuable, maybe like a DeMarcus Lawrence, or you know, uh, maybe move on from, from someone if they have to. Uh, they might have to trade Dak Prescott instead of saying, hey, we we don't want to have you be that much over your cap. They might have to make a decision next year as opposed to the following year because of that situation. So to me, I I find it funny. Maybe, Maybe it's just me. Jerry Jones is someone who always wants to be in power, always wants to be in control. He has to now depend on the NFLPA and the NFL to negotiate this agreement to spread those losses over multiple years, or he might be in serious trouble with his starting quarterback.
0: Bill, it's an awesome point. I didn't think of it until I saw your tweet, and I've been thinking about it a lot ever since. You gotta check him out on Twitter at Bill Barnwell. Has a great podcast as well. Hopefully, I'll get a chance to hop on sometime and talk O line. Bill, <laughs> this is exactly what I wanted, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Anytime, Ross. Anytime. There he is, Bill Barnwell. That was awesome. You know what else is awesome? Mac Weldon. You know how I know it's awesome? Because I just got four of their dry knit shirts, polo shirts. Incredible. It feels like almost like a cotton t-shirt, but it's a polo shirt. And I needed them because I'm going XL with it a double XL these days. So I needed some XLs. They fit great. They're comfortable. They breathe. I got two whites. Because you need to have more than one white. Whites get dirty. And I've got like, what do they call it? Uh, salmon shorts. And I've got funny different colored shorts. So you need the white to go with that. I got a navy blue. I got a heather gray. Love it. I've already worn it twice. I got them last week. So they got all kinds of great stuff there. If you want 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash Tucker and enter promo code Tucker. M A C K W E L D O N dot com slash Tucker and enter promo code Tucker. It is awesome. Big fan of Mac Weldon. Big fan of getting some new polo shirts XL because I'm crazy skinny like that. Tuck takes. Hello, Ross. Hello, Brian. how are you? I'm good, thank you. So let's
1: start today with the Washington Football Club and owner Daniel Snyder. He released a statement with a promise to change the culture in his organization.
0: So, Brian, I don't often do this, but I am so sick of statements. I would like to make a statement here about statements. Can we, can we be better than this? I mean, I feel like over the last two months, We're like at a 10 official statements per week. Players and agents and teams. And I mean, there's statements about statements. My statement is that most statements suck. They're inauthentic. They're antiseptic. You know what they're going to say before you even read them. They're a total waste of time. And I'm not saying this because it's Daniel Snyder and and it's the Washington Football Club. I feel like it's he's an easy target. Every, nobody likes him, so it's he's like a punching bag. It's not even about him. It just, it's just a really serious issue, what has been alleged in Washington. To just put out a statement like that, to me, is not good enough. How about showing a little bit of personality, a little bit of care, and even if you don't take questions – getting in front of a microphone and a camera and saying, this is really serious. This is really bad. It starts with me. Evidently, I had not done a good job of hiring the people below me and creating the right culture. I just wish more people would do stuff like that than just releasing a statement. I'm so sick of statements at this point. Ducks takes.
1: Also, we uh, get to continue to get more information regarding teams reporting for training camp and some of the protocols that they're going to be under for opt-outs and positive COVID-19 tests.
0: Right, and the players went crazy on Sunday. Not crazy, uh, but I think that like the top 50 players in the league, Bri, all went ahead and tweeted, we want to play, but we still don't know this or this or that or that. There's a big-time PR battle going on right now. A big-time PR battle. NFL releases that reporting dates have been sent out. 23rd, 21st for some teams. 28th, hey, reporting for the rookies. 21st, 23rd, 28th for veterans. It's it's go time. And the players want to push back on that because they still haven't agreed to how many preseason games, how often they're tested, Several things. And the players want to agree before they show up. Here's the thing. The NFL can dictate reporting dates per the CBA. And it's up to the players to file a grievance. So that's what the NFL is saying. Hey, we've tried to work with you guys. Not, both sides feel like they've pushed enough and that they've given enough and they, and they want more. And the NFL feels like they've given the players enough and, they, and the players are asking for too much. The players, I feel like, believe that you know they've got the health and safety issue on their side, and they're pushing for everything they want. And so it's leverage, it's negotiation, it's going on. I mean, we did see that basically you're going to be able to go back and forth off of IR all year, I guess the commissioner's exempt list. And the other thing that's interesting is this. If you want to opt out, $150,000 advance on next season's salary 2021 salary which is interesting because if you're like an undrafted free agent that signed a three-year deal most of those guys don't make the team so one hundred fifty thousand dollars to lock that in and not have to play ever i'll take that now i'm sure there's some stipulation where they have to pay it back or blah 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 good luck it'll be like dumb and dumber that's an iou it's a lamborghini you might want to hold on to that one (laughs) i feel like i just did that joke recently didn't i brian i don't remember Oh, I, maybe. maybe I did it somewhere else. I feel like I just did that. But seriously, I think if you're an undrafted free agent and you can say, yeah, I'm concerned about COVID, let me get that 150 advance on my 2021 salary, $150,000, most of those guys don't have a, a pot to piss in.
1: Player news includes Bengals wide receiver A.J. Green signing his franchise tender and Cardinals signing tackle Kelvin
0: Beecham. Right. So the, ta- the Cardinals are not messing around in offensive tackle, right? I mean, they, they didn't go with one, with one in the first round like people thought they would. They went with Isaiah Simmons instead from Arizona, Car- from Clemson. And so instead, they're in a situation where they have Marcus Gilbert at right tackle. They have the guy they had last year who they're clearly trying to upgrade with. They drafted Josh Jones. Now they sign Kelvin Beacham. They're throwing numbers at the offensive tackle position in Arizona to make sure they have a a legit guy at right tackle and some depth. As for A.J. Green, I guess what's funny to to me about that, Bri, is just if any team given this year would have rescinded a franchise tag, it would have been the Cincinnati Bengals. If any team would have done it, it would have been them saying, you know what? Why are we going to pay him whatever it is, $15, 16 $17, 18000000 million dollars for one year with a rookie quarterback? We're not going to win the Super Bowl this year anyway. But A.J. Green thought they might do that. I need to go sign this, which is kind of funny. Uh, the only other thing I'll mention, I mentioned at the start of the show, I'm sure some of you guys fast forward the first minute and a half, two minutes, because you know I usually do the intro. So I'm going to say it again. I'm giving away that epic NFL PAID card. You don't even have to deposit. All you have to do is go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and put the co- promo code Ross in and, and have it on your phone. Then when your state's legal and you're allowed to deposit, you can do that later if you want. But that's all you have to do. Take a screenshot of doing that, signing up, and send it to me, Ross at com. One of you is going to get this signed NFL PAID card. It's incredible. And then I'm giving all kinds of YouTube cameo shout-outs over the next few weeks. So, If you've never wanted to do the cameo or you thought about it, I do those for 25 bucks or whatever it is. I'm giving them away once a week. I'm going to do a YouTube video from my home office for you, whatever you want, whoever you want me to give the shout out to. I'll send you the YouTube link and your money. You got it. You got, you got the cameo. You got the shout out. All you have to do is sign up and subscribe. You're not paying for anything. You're just subscribing to youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Other than that, We've got Matt Waldman a little bit later this morning talking wide receivers in the 2021 NFL draft. I'll give you the cliff notes version. It's loaded again. Jamar chase, the Alabama guys, the Purdue guys. It's loaded again, the wide receiver class. So you wouldn't want to listen to Matt Waldman on today's college draft podcast. Other than that, Shoutouts to Pizza Boy Brewing. I was there Thursday and Friday last week. Delicious. And DynastyFreaks.com, which we know and love. Other than that, I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, Rostucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.